And uh, the scripture I want to speak out of this morning, 2 Corinthians 6, 11 to 13, says this, Dear, dear Corinthians, this is the uh, message translation if you have it. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can tell you how, I can't tell you, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. I love this verse. Um, And, you know, uh, labels are powerful things, aren't they? Labels, uh, they help us organize and and categorize the complexity that we see around us. They help us order our lives and and our circumstances. Um, But they also powerful not just to categorize but to define and that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing particularly when it comes to people and many experiments have been shown if you've done psychology or or whatever that uh, when people get labeled in a certain way they be, they begin to behave in a certain way when they're told that they're a certain thing they will behave in accordance with the way that they're told uh, and that's why it's important that we don't Define ourselves by the labels that that the world places upon you, but that you define yourself by the way God's Word tells you or or says that you are or what you are. Um, You know, advertisers and uh, advertisers and marketers and now even economists and governments at times uh, define people in certain ways. And one of the categories, one of the words that they like to use at the moment and, and fit everyone into is the word consumer. Anyone ever heard that word? And the reason that we're categorized as consumers is because our whole economy is built around consumption. Our prosperity, uh, our, our, uh, our uh, economic um, model, if you like, is all built around us consuming more and more stuff. Uh, and even Stock, the stock market rises and falls on consumer confidence. And so our whole world is built around people being defined as consumers. Um, and because of that, I've been reading some stats lately, we find that because we get encouraged to consume more and more stuff, because that's the way our economic model works, it's the way our whole, particularly Western society runs, uh, we are presently consuming our natural resources faster than they can be renewed by 23%. So according to sustainable development studies, by 2020 we'll need 1.5 planets worth of resources to meet our demand. And by 2030 we'll need 2.3 planets worth of resources to meet the demand. Um, So uh, I'm not giving an environmental speech here today, but my point is when you label someone in a certain way, whether it be a people group, whether it be an individual, they will begin to respond and to act in that way. And so we are consuming because we've seen ourselves as consumers and we are consuming more than the planet can sustain. Paul's heart for the Corinthian church was that they would live and enter in a full life in Jesus Christ. You know, in the Bible, Uh, The Bible does not define us or label us as consumers. It uses another word. It uses the word citizens. 
A consumer is someone that consumes that they live for themselves. Their whole life is focused around consuming, getting, what can I get? But if we read the Bible and we understand the way God sees us, He calls us citizens. A citizen is a person who who can uh, enable themselves of the rights and the privileges of the state or the nation in which they belong, but also of the responsibilities of belonging to that nation or that state or that organization. And Jesus says that we are to live our lives not just as consumers of the things that we have around us, but that we will be citizens who give out and contribute to the, the blessing, the success and the prosperity of the thing that we're a part of. You are not just a consumer, you're a citizen. And it's important that you see yourself as someone who takes on responsibility, not just to get more, but to give more. That's the way Jesus defines us. Yes, give the Lord a hand there. I think that is a good point. And so Paul's saying to the Corinthian church that I want you to live your life in a bigger way. He's saying you're living your your life and you're seeing yourself in a small way, but I want you to live openly and expansively. You know, I think as believers sometimes, we we find that we develop a thing called spiritual agoraphobia. Now, agoraphobia is the the fear of open spaces. Um, I don't know if you've heard the joke about the guy that uh, broke, or, or the criminal that broke into the agoraphobia clinic, and the detective came in, he said, I think it's an inside job. (laughs) okay that sounded better when I wrote it (laughs) I I gave myself a much better response but um, (laughs) what we find is that we become afraid of opening up our lives we become afraid of actually stepping out into the open spaces of opportunity and blessing and responsibility that God puts before us. Because we feel like if we do that, somehow we're going to lose out. Somehow it's going to cost us something. Whether it's financially, whether it's with our own uh, comfort, with our own plans and, and determinations for our life. And if we open up our lives to God and what He has for us, that there's going to be a cost or there's going to be some kind of transaction that takes place and we're going to be worse off if we take on God and, and live openly and expansively to His purpose and call than if we just live for ourselves and our own purpose and our own desires and our own goals. Somehow we've worked this thing out. And so Paul was saying to the Corinthian church, and I believe he would say to our church and and to Christians today, that that's not the way to live. That we're to live openly and expansively because that is the way that we actually move into the blessing that God has for our lives, whether that be value, whether it be significance, whether it be purpose, the real drivers and motivators of the human heart come not by being someone that just consumes, but by someone who gives, someone who invests, someone who thinks bigger than just themselves and their own world. So we become afraid because it'll be inconvenient, that we'll be challenged to become bigger people. We fear we're going to lose out. But the truth is the exact opposite. The truth is that it's counterintuitive, like much of the Bible is. Three times Jesus said this statement in three different occasions because he wanted to get this point across to his followers and his hearers at the time. 
uh, in Luke 9.24, in Matthew 16.25, and also in Luke 17.33, he says this, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give your life for my sake, you will save it. Counterintuitive. You're trying to hold on to it. You're trying to control it. You're trying to get what you want. But the real way to get what you want is actually to give away what you have. It's counterintuitive. And it's, and it's important that, we, that the way we see ourselves, the way we define ourselves, aligns itself with the way God sees us and what he calls us to do because that is the way we're going to move in that direction. If we simply see ourselves as consumers, if we simply see ourselves as a bunch of people that are here to get what we want, then that's what the way we're going to live. But it's important that we allow God's word to define us and also to motivate us. So Jesus calls us out of the shadows of self-orientated living, of the me first mentality. Me first. What do I want? What do I need? Because it's only by doing this that we truly start to live. I was talking to a, f- a friend who's a strong, committed Christian. Um, we, uh, I do some cycling, and uh, it's one of the guys that I cycle with. And we're talking the other day, and a couple of weeks back we were riding, and, and he said, oh, what's happening? What are you up to? And I said, oh, I said look, I've got, a, I've got a growing interest in social entrepreneurship. And uh, I've been reading over the last couple of years, and I've got this increasing desire to match business skills and entrepreneurial ability with social needs and to bring change into not just disadvantaged people here, but in overseas countries. And uh, he's going, oh, that's good, that's good. And my, my friend's a management consultant. And he goes, that's awesome. I go, what are you up to? He goes, my goal is to buy as much property as I can before I die. (laughs) I nearly threw my water bottle at him. (laughs) But it just, it it made me uh, realise that, and there's nothing wrong with accumulating property. There's nothing wrong with buying property. But if that's the sole purpose of our existence, we are falling so far short. We're lowering the bar so low that we're never really going to, know what it is to live, to achieve, to feel significance and value that, that, is only, that only comes when we live outside of just what we want. Nothing wrong with it, I believe. But I believe you're bigger than that. I believe you're bigger than just someone who, who can achieve and, and accumulate and, and get and consume more and more stuff, that you're a citizen of the kingdom who is called to leave an impact and change the lives of people within your sphere. That's why we're here. That's why we're the church. So how does that take place? So that was, anyway, that was just my, that was just my preamble ramble. That's got nothing to do with my message. <laughs> it's just, it's just something <laughs> I felt like I needed to say. Good, I've got that off my chest. <laughs> oh. um, so how do we live in that way? And it's important as a church that we, that we are looking beyond just ourselves as individuals and as a church. That's why, you know, seeing the things that are taking place there, are, it's important that we are stretching out. It's important this, this, um, this C3 Cares Centre and outreach that we're looking to start in Glebe. It's, it's important for us to be looking beyond ourselves. How do we meet 
the needs of the people who are around us. Church is not an event, it's a way of life. Christianity calls us to look beyond ourselves. The church, the word in the original language, it means ecclesia. It means the called out ones. That doesn't negate the need for buildings and structures and and operations and processes and all those things that take place. But at its core, the church is about people. It's about relationships. It's about connections. It's about looking to reach out and bring something, invest something, change something. Jesus didn't come to earth to bring a philosophy. He didn't come to bring a set of life principles. He came to bring transformation. He came to bring the message of faith, hope and love that people's lives can be changed, but not in isolation, but in community, through community, through relationships. Um, The Living Bible translation of Ephesians 2.19 says this, You are members of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Christianity is not just about believing. It is about belonging. It's about connection. It's about relationship. Our relationship to each other, our relationship to the community to which we belong here and outside, that we have a connection going on. Um, You know, in the Bible, there were seven major feasts spread throughout the Jewish calendar. So almost every two months, they were having a party. And they were instituted formalized celebrations, festivals to celebrate what was going on in life. And it's important that as Christians that we, that we take our role and our life so seriously that we forget that, that celebration and, and, um, and party and having a good time is an important part of life. But not doing it, it's hard to have a party on your own. Has anyone ever found that? (laughs) You know, advertisers, when they're selling products, they don't, beer advertisers, they do not sell beer. What they sell is relationship. You never see someone in an ad with a can of beer sitting in a dark room by themselves sculling a beer. You never see that. It's always in a a bar or in a club or it's in a cafe and, and there's, music going and everyone's laughing and having a good time and here they are going cheers or something like they're not selling beer they're selling relationship they're they're attaching their product with something that we know is intrinsically valuable and important to us which is celebration and connection that's what they do and so it's important that we understand that we must be connecting and celebrating the church is not an event it's a it's a way of life and so it's important that we're not just, you know, turning up on a Sunday and that's our religious duty, but that we go, you know what, I'm going to get together with people. I'm going to connect over a meal. I'm going to connect over a, cafe, a coffee. I'm going to get together that we are going to build community. Um, in Matthew 9, over and over again in the Scriptures, we see Jesus instituting celebration, celebrating um, in fact, his very first miracle, if you know, was at a wedding and they ran out of wine. <clears throat> and so, you know, if you know the story, basically they came to him and said, oh, we're out of wine, which is, you know, it, it wasn't so much that, that, uh, that uh, they needed 
wine for the sake of wine, it was a, a very embarrassing and humiliating um, situation for a host in that culture to run out of wine or drinks. Um, and so it was not just that they needed the alcohol, it was what was going to happen to that person. But Jesus then comes in and he turns, you know, he turns water into wine. Like six big gallons, there was gallons and gallons of wine. This is at the end of the, at the, end of the wedding. If, you've, you know, if you read many of the commentaries these days, you would think that Jesus turned the wine into water. <laughs> because of the whole idea that celebration and joy is a bad thing. But it's not. Does it, uh, we're not, we're not um, saying that you should be out you know, drinking bottles and bottles of wine um, every night. Uh, but we have no issue with someone having wine, having a glass of wine, having a celebration, having, unless you've got issues with wine, and that's a whole other thing, um, or, or with alcohol. But it's important that we realise that, that church is about celebration and it's about relationships and it's about connections and it's not just about what I can get out of life and, and being a consumer, but what can I give? What can I contribute? What can I bring to the situation? So I'm coming to church to invest and to give into other people, to, whether it be encouragement, whether it be support, whether it be prayer, uh, that we're coming to give something. Um, and that we're meeting outside of just on uh, church to also invest something, to give something. This Friday night social for young adults or whatever, going and, and connecting and doing life together. There's connect groups, there's uh, socials, there's dinner parties that are run within the church. And I would encourage you, if you're not going to one or if you're not involved in one, that you get to one because that's church. That's life. That's what it's all about. Um, in Matthew 9, um, Matthew, the tax collector, invited, he got saved. He invited Jesus to a, to a celebration, to a party. And it must have been a pretty wild party because it says that tax collectors and notorious sinners were all there. And then the Pharisees were shocked that Jesus went to this party which is probably like I don't know some underworld king's cross figure having a party and Jesus turns up at the beef and the bourbon and beef steak or something like that <laughs> in the city um, I mean at king's cross but the reality is Jesus was was constantly engaging and connecting with people the poor the rich the ostracized the in crowd and so as believers, it's important that we have our arms wide open, that we're not living our lives in, small, in a small way, that we're not living with spiritual agoraphobia, saying, well, I don't want God's purpose and plan to interfere with what I want to do with my life. And so I'll, I'll do these things, but then I'll get that out of the way, and then I'll go on to do what I want to do. Because if we live that way, we're actually going to miss out. The way that we actually receive and enjoy everything that Christ has is by opening up our arms and going, God, I'm here. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to reach out, with, out to? And guess what? It is inconvenient at times. It is challenging at times. It does interfere with our 
calendar or our diary at times when someone rings up and goes, oh, um, do you want to... Do you want to catch up for this or can you have a, got time for a coffee or something like that? And, you know, I'm, I, I like to run by a diary and I hate it when someone rings up and says, oh, do you want to catch up? And I go, well, no, I can't because I was doing this. <laughs> but I've learned and it's important that we understand that people are the priority. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't do your other things and, and that you're not organised and have all those things happening. But if we're constantly run by a diary and we're constantly run by our program, if we're, if we're like, oh, no, I don't have time for that post, I don't have time for that, I don't have time to do this because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my goals, then we're missing out. We're actually missing out on what life is all about, which is about relationships. It's about connections. It's about doing life with people. And so it's important that our arms are wide open. Acts 2.46 talks about the early church. It says they worshipped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. We live in a culture where the individual is king, and we wonder why we've got systemic relational breakdown, because it's all about me. What am I getting out of this? And yet Jesus comes and he goes, if you put yourself last, if you put others before yourself, then guess what? The things that you actually need and want, you're going to get. Again, it's counterintuitive. Let's put others first. Let me just, as I finish, I want to read you a few scriptures that are all throughout the scripture when it talks about this whole, I mean, if you want to put it in a category, if you want to label this message, you could put it, call it hospitality. Um, but really it's about, it's about living our life in an open and, and an expansive way. It's about saying, you know what? I'm going to make room for more people in my life. There's always room for one more. Always room for... And, and oftentimes what happens in church is, you know, you get... Particularly as churches grow, and we've been part of a very, very big church and smaller churches and medium-sized churches, but what happens is you get a few friends... Oftentimes when churches start small, everyone's reaching out. But then as soon as you start getting a group of friends or whatever and you've got your, your fill of relationships, if you like, you stop talking to people. You stop reaching out. You stop welcoming visitors. You stop doing all those things because you're like, oh, my needs are met. I'm okay relationally now. Relationally, I'm okay socially. I've got my network going on. And it's just human nature that we do that. But this is what the Bible talks to us about, about keeping open and expansive and inclusive as we live our lives. Romans 12, 13 says, practice hospitality. Practice it. Just like you practice anything else, the trumpet, the guitar. <laughs> you got to practice it. To get better at it, you just got to do it more. Uh, Romans 16, 1, the message says, be sure to welcome our friend Phoebe uh, in, in, a way, in the way of the master for all the generous hospitality we Christians are famous for. Are you famous for hospitality? Of being open and inclusive? 2 Corinthians 7.15 in the message. He, uh, he, can't, he can't quit talking about it, going over and over again, the story of your, your prompt obedience and the dignity and sensitivity of your hospitality. He was quite overwhelmed by it. 
Philippians 1.7, Friend, I have no idea how good your love, uh, your love makes me feel, doubly so when I see your hospitality to fellow believers. 1 Peter 4.9, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 3 John 1.5, Dear friends, when you extend hospitality to Christian brothers and sisters, even when they are strangers, you make faith visible. You make faith visible. How are we making our faith visible? You say, I believe in God. And uh, James says, you say you believe in God, but I don't see it. He's saying faith without works is dead. Our faith and our belief is demonstrated by what we do, how we act, how we respond, how we treat people and how we live our lives. And so don't see yourself as a consumer, as someone that is just taking in, consuming, but someone who sees themselves as a citizen of a kingdom. Someone who has rights and has privileges, but also has responsibilities to make that state, that nation, that kingdom, which we're a part of, the kingdom of God, a better and a bigger and a welcoming place. That's our call and that's what we're going to do in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Thank you, God, for your word. Father, we thank you that you are good and that you came and demonstrated your generous heart, that you opened up your arms to us. You opened up your arms to us. And because of that, Lord, we are saved transformed, renewed and have an eternal destiny through the power of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray today that we would be inspired and encouraged to not live our lives in a small way but to be open and expansive just as Paul prayed for the Corinthian church. would open up our lives to other people that we would be inclusive Father we thank you by the power of your spirit that we would live that kind of life that we would be influencers and that we would build a community of people that are not defined by what the world calls us but by what God calls us that we are not defined by the labels which people place upon us, whether it be dumb or smart, rich or poor, in or out. But Father, by your definitions, categories and labels, that you are loved, that you are empowered, that you have hope, that you have life, that you have a future, that you are blessed. Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, that you would empower us to live the life you've called us to live. Be the people you've called us to be and bring the transformation to our community that you desire to take place by the power of your spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 